Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. G'day and welcome to the Farms Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the farm's advice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms Advice and let's get into this episode. This conversation is a little left of field and also around the corner from probably what you're usually thinking about your farm operation and how it all works. We dive back into beyond the tax return with the team at Byfields and thank them for the expertise of really just coming on and giving us as farmers this free information that we can probably take away and use it within our own operation. Go back to our own accountant and see how it is um, within your own scenario as their WA base. So fantastic to have them. And this is probably in relation to Ryan Norton's episode with estate planning and the two episodes go really well together so today we'll be asking the question is it worth changing the land ownership before you die as farmers this is something that we do need to think about and we can make it that much easier on ourselves but I'll let Justina from Byfield's team give you the expertise so that you know a little bit of guidance around the topic but also know that no scenario around Australia is the same so do go check with your professionals your accountant um and get some feedback from them. But before we get started, just to let you know, this episode is intended to be general information only, as the host and the guest do not know your personal circumstances. So please go and talk to your own accountant or the team at Biofields to get the right information for your scenario. Let's get into this episode. We'll get out and welcome back to the Fundswise podcast, Justina. Great to have you in the studio over there, coming in from WA. How's everything going with the team at Byfields? There, You've been quite busy on the ground at a few events, I see. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Always busy, especially at this time of the year. We kind of try to catch up with as many clients as we can, 
yeah. it's kind of still quietish, but um, it's it's starting to get busy spraying and all that stuff. So yeah, it's definitely a good time of the year for us. But yeah, good. Absolutely. Well, it's good to see events go ahead. I was at Agquip here on the east coast as well, and it was they got some pretty impressive numbers through the gate um, for it. So it's good to see events coming back for agriculture. I think that connection and even just seeing what the update is from products and services that provide for the ag industry is pretty, it's great to be able to see it firsthand as a farmer as well. But welcome back onto the podcast. We had you on earlier in the series, I think 2021, um, if I recall correctly, about talking about rural women on farm, but also in this episode, we go back into beyond the tax return with biofields. What sort of, what are we going to be talking about today on today's episode? What's sort of impacting farmers and clients around your area and also nationally? Yeah, sure. Um, so we, we think that there is one topic that um, potentially could cause issues if not addressed soon or if not discussed, and that will be land ownership structure and, and whether, it, if it's, whether if it's worth to change that structure now uh, before parents pass away or, or at least start that conversation and understand what the consequences could be. Absolutely. I think just starting, initiating um, that conversation, I've seen it in the previous episodes we've done through Biofields and they've just really ignited what people are sort of talking about. Um, and if they weren't talking about it, now they are a little bit, now it's been across the podcast. So it's good that we can actually make a bit of change to these family farming operations um, and hopefully create that impact as well. So is it worth changing the land ownership before you die? Give us a little bit of an overview, some pros and cons or transferring or not transferring um, before our parents die or even ourselves as we all know fatalities within agriculture are all too high um, and all too common. What are the pros and cons of this? Yeah, sure. It's probably worth mentioning that you guys may have slightly different laws. So I will be talking more from a WA perspective. Um, so yeah, just bear that in mind. But yeah, the first thing to notice is the fact that those, um, there's a massive disparity between land values um, and off-farm asset values. And that disparity has significantly grown over the last few years, um, especially in WA. Um, that's obviously on the back of really good um, seasons. Yep. And, you know, you may actually see farm being valued 10, 20 million dollars as opposed to properties, shares or superannuation being um, significantly lower. Um, so that we see that as risk because if this is all going into the same pot being in the state um, of the person who passed away, um, there is a potential risk uh, for that will to be challenged. So you may actually end up not getting that farm at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, and, and, and definitely there are potential, um, potential risk associated. Um, but before we go into the risk, I probably would talk a little bit about um, how would you mitigate those risks? And probably the most important thing will be understanding the structure of the land. 
Yeah. You, know, you, you need to know who own the land and you also need to understand what will happen with that land when that person passes away. Um, and I think Ryan may have um, gone over um, some basics in terms of the assets that will hit the state and the ones that will not. So just a reminder, if the land is in your personal name, ultimately it will go into a state. So you may have joint tenants, but you may have also tenants in common. Yeah. Uh, so joint tenancy, the survivor would take over, whereas tenants in common, your share will, will go into the estate. Um, there could be also trust. So the land can be owned by the trust. And what you're looking for is the person who's in control of the trust, the position of controls. And I know there are trusts that will have appointors as the controllers of the trust. Um, there may be some trust that will only have trustees. So yeah, read the deed. It's always back to read the deed uh, situation. Um, we more and more see companies owning the land. So when it comes to company, you look at the ownership of the company, which are the shareholders. And yeah. yet again, you may have individual shareholders. If that's the case, the share will go back to the, uh, to the estate. If the trust is the shareholder, then you are back into the same situation as I described before. Controllers of the trust will be the most important people uh, to consider. Um, yeah, super fund could be an option as well. People, may, people do have um, land in the super fund and then the trustee of the super fund will ultimately decide when that land will go. Um, so yeah, the, the idea behind all that is, is really you want to transfer, or at least you would try to transfer before before the death, just to get that certainty uh, where where that land will end up ultimately. Yep. What, what's the most common one um, to mitigate the risk over in WA, also for your region? Like are people more inclined to be individual that owns that parcel of land or is it going to a trust company? What are you seeing most of? Mostly when it comes to boomers, the older genera the generation, it is still individual yeah. ownership. That's what so, I would. yeah, it probably, yeah, I would think it will be very similar to what you guys have um, over East. And it's probably the least beneficial way to own the land because anything in your personal name is exposed. So even not, not even looking at succession or estate planning, it's just from the risk perspective, you, you try not to keep land in your personal name because if things go per shape, it is exposed to any potential claims. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about mitigating that risk, what is the risk? It's the risk of losing our farming land. Is that the risk that we're talking about? Yeah, so the, the, the potential, potential challenge to the will, uh, it's, it's the biggest risk. So yeah, you as a parent, you may uh, very clearly see the land going into the farming child after your death, because that child may have been farming it for many years, they may have not gone, not gone to university. Um, but then 
the other kids, well, you as a parent, you actually have to provide for all children. So it doesn't need to be equal, but it has to be equitable. Um, and it's probably difficult to get your head around those really big numbers. And as I said, you know, you might have a $10 million farm that may have another 2 million worth of equipment. But if it's smaller, if you, if, if this is smaller, you may not actually survive, you may not be able to, to run the operation. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. That it's a lumpy asset and it kind of has to go together as one uh, rather than have that split into smaller, smaller portion. But also if you know if if you have a situation where let's say no one really knows who owns the land and there's three siblings and the will is written um, in a way that all kids to receive equal share what will happen the farm will be part of the of the assets pool and every child will get one third so you may actually end up in the situation where you have to pay off the other kids and that's a massive strain you know banks will probably start getting a bit nervous if there's a debt uh, that, so that's not the situation you want to be in. It, it's a massive risk. Yeah, that's what we see um, coming through. The transferring of the land during the lifetime to avoid that risk, what sort of barriers are there for moving the land on now? Like we, to open up that communication as well, what sort of barriers will we be looking at as within the farming family or outside of it? How's that work? Yeah, so probably the family dynamics is the biggest one. Yep. You know, it's it's high stakes, emotions are involved, and everyone will have a different opinion. So this is the hardest part of uh, of those discussions. Um, yeah, yeah. Talk to your parents. You know, you may not, you may have a dad who will say no, but try and, and talk to mom. Um, involve maybe your accountant, your, your trusted advisor, um, maybe a mediator, ha yeah, and have those conversations. Some people um, will, will believe that the capital gain tax associated with transferring such a lumpy asset will be massive and they don't even want to think about it. But in reality, nowadays, the amount of concessions that are available for primary producers or small business owners are quite significant. And whenever we look at land transfers, we will always try to structure them with a minimal capital gain tax consequences. And that may not be a, a something that will happen this year. We may look at steps. You may need to look at keeping your um, aggregated turnover under two mil to access concession or six million net value asset test. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of concessions out there available, but some people still feel that maybe $100,000 of, of capital gain tax, if, if we can't get you through the line, is too much. Um, but yeah, in the scheme of things, if you are to get six mil, uh, six mil worth of land as opposed to $100,000 of tax bill, 
and you have a certainty that the farm is still yours and, and you can farm and you can secure future of your family, it's probably no brainer for me. But yeah, the circumstances are different. You know, there may not be a hundred thousand lying around to pay the tax bill. Um, stamp duty is another one um, because obviously whenever you, you sell an asset, even though if it's off market transfer, it's still considered to be to be a, a proper sale and it's at market value. Um, yeah, that that tend to be a bit of a, a bit a bit of a problem for for some clients. But yet again, there are concessions. We're very lucky in WA. Um, there is a a stamp duty concession for inter intergenerational transfers, as long as you meet certain set, certain conditions. Um, and yeah, that can really save you a lot of money in terms of those costs. Um, there is another one which people tend to forget is the loss of capacity for parents. If parents own land and they're in their 80s or 90s, they probably are guarantors for the farm debt. Uh, and you know, in the situation when they lose capacity and they have to sign documents, you may, you may end up with a bit of a um, situation and yet again banks may, may get a bit nervous so you try not to be not to be there and you try to address those guarantees um, sooner rather than later yeah absolutely and I think coming back to the family dynamics where the value of land currently at at the moment people don't want to be left out um, just because it is setting up their life a little bit if they were to sell that farm up and completely go away from that. And that's really within agriculture, what we don't really want to see. Um, we want to see successful transfers of this property um, and clients that you know of and people in general across WA or even nationally, you're selling at market value down to family members within the family or whether, however it's structured to the company. How does that work? And um, we can't just sell it for a dollar just a easy transfer, make it a little bit easier like it was back in, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. No, I, I don't I don't really know whether it was like that, but you know, the, the tax rules are, are the rules, whether whether it's a family uh, transactions or not, you are still bound to use the market uh, value substitution rule. So no money will technically change hands. Uh, but on the paper, you'll still have to show what is the current value of that land. So there will be an appraisal or valuation required for, for all the paperwork. You will need it for your accountant. Uh, you will also need it for any stamp duty exemption applications. So, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, there are certain rules to, to follow. Absolutely. And probably a few of these are unforeseen um, in the future and if you had some hindsight to go back, especially if you have loss of capacity for your parents, I'd imagine that would be a bit of a stressful one as well and creating that issue and the risk of the property, not knowing where the name is, signatures are. Um, have you seen that a fair bit within agriculture, especially as parents get older, the farmers get older and grow sort of out of it and they lose their own capacity? How does that work? Um... Yeah, it is quite common, I might, I might say, especially with dementia. Uh, but people people are, are very well educated nowadays. So especially especially farmers, you know, they want to protect that asset. 
So we we do have those conversations and, you know, we do, it's probably conversation we have when we review wills and that's done quite frequently. Um, and that's, that's when we kind of always stress that if you feel, you know, try to sort out your estate and your succession as soon as, and if you feel that your parents are getting to that stage where they may be losing capacity, you know, you, you should pretty much be set. There shouldn't be, there shouldn't be much, um, much changes needed to the will. And sometimes it is just too late and you just have to accept um, the situation. Um, but yeah, we, we've been pretty lucky. I, I personally hasn't, haven't come across um, anyone who, who had to go through all the rigmarole uh, that is associated with, with trying to get um, ability to sign for someone who's lost mental capacity. What, what do we do if that is the case, if it does go a bit pear-shaped for yourself um, within the family, family members lose capacity um, mentally or physically, maybe in the early days, um, quite young or even later in life, how does that work and what can be done um, to resolve that issue? Yeah, I would probably refer everyone to that episode you had uh, with, um, yeah, with Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he went through all the steps, but in general, just having the enduring powers of attorney document is pretty crucial. Um, and if you have that, that should, that should help significantly. Otherwise, there is a process whereby you have to go through courts and that takes time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll put that in the show notes so we can join and connect these episodes together, which is the yeah. to dive down a little bit deeper into each sort of episode and get one question and go around it like that. So working out quite well, but we've talked about the barriers. What are the benefits of moving the land on now for family farmers right across Australia? Yeah, obviously having that certainty of the farm continuing, um, it's probably the biggest one. You know, you, you want to have, um, you want to be able to think that you can provide for your family. Yep. Because it's probably at that stage, you already have kids and they may be going to private schools and, you know, you may have a wife um, and that probably is, um, is your work. So that, that's your main source of income. Um, if you move the land now, that can't be challenged technically, yeah. unless there was pressure put on the parents yeah. uh, and, you know, undue pressure. Uh, but normally it, it's, it just can't be challenged. So that's, that's where this, that certainty comes in. Uh, another benefit is the cost base uplift. So whenever you, you move the land, you've got that market value um, at the date of the transfer. And that's what your new cost base for, for the land going to be. So maybe 10, 20 years in the future when that land is going to be sold or transferred again, the difference between the proceeds and the cost base is smaller. And uh, so that again may help with the future capital gain tax consequences of or issues. You know, obviously decision-making process is a, is a big one. You, you own farm, it's yours. Uh, I feel that having, you know, being, having your name uh, 
next to to the ownership of the land or being the owner of the land just gives you an ability to suddenly borrow against that asset and maybe invest in off-farm assets and start building that wealth yep. which you may not be able to until parents pass away and that can be 20 years later and building wealth it is all about timing the sooner you start the more you're going to build uh, yeah. So that's a that's a massive advantage, and, and people tend to forget about it. And yeah, you can we can start doing your own things. You know, you can borrow more money to maybe expand the operations. You can start yeah start start farming your own way. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the farmers um, would love to be able to be in the driver's seat as well, having that decision making process, being able to make your own decisions going forward as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the truth is, and I should probably mention that when the land is moved from parents to the younger generation, it doesn't mean parents have to retire, they can still be involved, you can pay them wage, you can pay them drawings, you can have all sorts of arrangements. Um, and yeah, you don't, they don't have to be completely cut off um, from the farm. And another benefit is, um, you know, not having parents legally involved in the structure, it also provides a security to their off-farm assets. Because if they're no longer guarantors, if they're no longer directors, if they're no longer in the position of control, they can't be sued. So you kind of protecting the assets they own that are going to go to off-farm siblings. Um, and again, that's quite often overlooked. Um, another one I've got jotted down is, yeah, at that point of the transfer, you can actually decide how you want to structure the land ownership for yourself. So I'm, it's probably not always, the choice is not always there, uh, but it's probably, you, you probably will have few options available. And yeah. then if you do it properly, then it will be easier for your kids succession in the future. So. Can you, um, can you transfer the land and then come up with how that land ownership will be structured or should you be able to, before that, transfer of land has happened. Should you look to see if it should go to a company, a trust um, that you, you operate along with your family or something or an individual like yourself, the individual that the land's getting transferred from? Uh, yeah, so the process is you would sit down with your accountant, you would go over everything you currently have. So you will look at your business structure overall you know, it may be that you already have a trading trust, you may already have a few land holding trusts, and you would decide the pros and cons of transferring that land through each entity. And a lot of the time it is actually a matter of setting up a new, new structure. So it may be a new land holding company or a trust. And it has to be done before that transfer occurs. So the entity needs to be in place and then the transfer happens. Um, and there's a lot of thought in WA, we put a lot of thought and a lot of prep before the transfer happens um, in order to secure the stamp duty exemption. There is a bit of legwork involved before that transfer happens. So 
it is a process like it's it doesn't happen overnight those those transfer usually take those old farm family transfers they usually take probably six months minimum sometimes longer if we have a couple of steps yep so definitely not overnight but what if what if it you as the individual have it and then you want to structure it into a company or a trust is that another transaction that needs to be taken at market value yes yeah again yeah if you if you own the land because let's say you didn't know that it's good to buy it in the trust yep. and you just went ahead and, and purchased that that land in your name or maybe in your and your brother name and then let's say you realize that wasn't the best thing to do yes unfortunately if you are now going to transfer that land to a trust or a company even if it's done the next day you would have to that will be a new transaction so it's probably this the the, the capital gain is not going to be massive because the value of the land will not increase overnight but you will have a double stamp duty issue yeah i think so it's probably worthwhile having to think about how you want your structure to be put in place well before you transfer that land then um, you don't want to be locked into two transactions even if it is going to your, yourself again with the you're the ceo of the company or the runner of the trust as well so something to think about i suppose oh yeah absolutely and it's it's interesting people that happens all the time actually people call us <laughs> the day before they go to an auction or the day before they, they're going to sign and offer an acceptance with a real estate agent asking, so what, what is the name I should be putting on that contract? And sometimes it does, it, it depends on situ situation and circumstances, but sometimes it's like maybe two or three of us sitting together in the office and going through pros and cons of everything. Um, because it really is down to what, how you're going to use it in the future, who is this for, what's the cost, what do you have in your current entities already, who's going to inherit that land. So, yeah, a lot to think of. But as soon as you put the name on the offer and acceptance, you're pretty much done. It's very hard or maybe even impossible to change it later. There are certain circumstances where you can change the name on the offer and acceptance, but generally speaking, uh, yeah, you probably will end up paying double duties if you realize you've made a mistake and it's not the right name. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't really think about that of looking to buy a place and I just put Jack Kresel beside of it instead of going in to see what sort of structure it is. I imagine that would happen a fair bit when people leave it to the last minute. Um, but ho hopefully with this episode, we can toggle a fair few people to get on top of what's happening, have that communication line open with their family and make that decision before everything does go pear-shaped or downhill from there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do actually have a client who has this rule where he just um, puts his name and his parents as joint tenants on everything. I don't necessarily agree being, this being the, the best option because it's still an asset in your personal name yep. and it's exposed. But his way of thinking is, okay, if, if both of my parents pass away, I'm going to get it through the survivorship loan. 
which yeah. is fair enough, you know, no tax, no stamp duties, but it is still an asset you have in your if you, in your own name, and that's not really where you want it to be. So when you talk about when it's in the individual and you're leaving yourself exposed, what are you exposed to, and why are you more exposed than a company or a trust as such? So imagine you a director of a company and you make an everyday decision of that company yeah. and the company is subject to litigations and it goes, goes broke, goes bankrupt. You may be liable for the debts. It really depends, but that's probably one of the circumstances yeah. you'll be looking at. So, um, and then if you're liable for the debts, your personal assets are exposed. So everything you have in your own name will, will potentially be up for grab. Uh, same with trust. If you are individual trustee of a trust, you have a fiduciary duty to act in the best interest of the trust. And then if something goes wrong, yeah, you, your assets will be exposed. And that's one of the reasons why we recommend having a corporation as a trustee, because that will be only limited to the assets in that in that uh, nominee company. So, yeah. Do you think it comes back to making that succession decision a little bit earlier, um, especially when land ownership's involved? Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. The sooner, the better. We must say the young generation, the farmers in the 30s and in their 40s, they're really well educated. They they don't go and buy farm like their parents did. They do have a conversation. They they call us. They they know how they want the assets to be distributed later on. They know they have two or three children. They know that maybe one has already got interest in the farm. Um, they understand the disparity between the asset values uh, and they, they're putting a bit of thought into, into where or how to buy the assets in, in what entity. So definitely I would recommend everyone, everyone um, does it. Yeah, I think farmers are wising up a little bit and actually searching for the, this type of information um, quite subtly what we're doing here on the episode, but we'll be able to point you in the direction afterwards to any links that biofields may have or any government links that might go into helping this. But for yourself, what would be the farm's advice that you would like to pass on through the, throughout this episode about transferring of land ownership and how we can set that structure up possibly prior to actually that land, parcel of land going on? Yeah. So I, I'm a big believer in education and I don't really approach anyone giving them advice without explaining why I do it. So be educated, understand the different cons and pros of each structure and also what will happen with that asset when that structure stops continuing. So yeah, having that understanding will be number one and also understanding how is this all fitting in with your um, overall succession planning will be, will be a good one. And yeah, starting sooner rather than later, definitely, definitely a, a piece of advice from me. 
And yeah, just be wary that those things take time. It is not an overnight process and you may need to prepare yourself for, for maybe even a couple of years of, yeah. of waiting before the actual transfer happens. More of a reason to start now today, even start educating yourself about the resources or even the structures, take a deeper dive into what sort of structures may work for yourself as an individual, trustee, company. Um, and there was another one, wasn't there? Or have I covered all three? Uh, super fans. Super fans. Admin and super fans, yes, yeah. Yep. Well, I think this is a pretty good topic and great to tie in with succession uh, estate planning with Ryan Norton's previous episode. So we'll tie those all in together. Is there, do you have resources there at Byfields that we can have a little look up just to see before maybe we do go and purchase a new farm so we actually have these structures in place? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, there's quite a few um, things available on, on our website, um, which is goodhopebiofields.com.au. Uh, uh, and specifically the farm ownership structures. Um, like it's, I think they call it redirectner. But um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good tool. Um, it gives you a good overview in one sheet kind of scenario where you can where you've got each ownership like one next to the other. So you can clearly, clearly see um, the, the star rating on each. And then you can understand, okay, well, this one is one star and this one is four star. What is the difference? So yeah, that will be highly, um, I think that will be a good resource to go to. Beautiful. Well, Justina, I think you've nailed this episode pretty topical and if it wasn't topical for you listening in maybe it is a little bit now and you can go away and have a think maybe you're looking to expand your own farming enterprise and you can actually start to look at your structures to what suits you and also your family just to open that communication line up straight down the middle yeah so thank you for coming on but who can we expect next on the biofield series beyond the tax return who's going to be giving us the expertise I believe it will be my colleague, Jared Ryan. I think you've had him already for some tax planning not yeah. long ago. So yeah, he's a good chap. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to chat to Jared further down the line. But Justina, thank you very much for coming on for this episode. For anyone looking to contact yourself and your expertise or your office, which office are you based out of? I'm based out of Perth. And yep. I do go to Esperance um, quite regularly with Scott, who you've also interviewed um, a while ago. Yeah, so this is kind of two offices we, we work from. But yeah, you can you can touch base with me with me through LinkedIn, or you can call the Perth office on 0862746400. Beautiful, and I'll also have these in the show notes. Anyone looking to contact the team at Byfields can do so. And Justina for expertise for coming on today. Well, Justina, thank you very much. Thanks for coming back onto the Farms Advice podcast. Oh, pleasure is all mine. Thanks, Jack. Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the Farms Advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming.
In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms of Ice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.